Welcome to the Peak Community Church Podcast, where weekly messages are available for your hearing. Last week I started um, this new message series of called I Believe, I Believe. And, and sometimes it's hard to kind of know what it is that we believe. Because there's so many different thoughts and opinions that, that, that are brought out. And, and people want to um, interject their own ideas or interpretations of Scripture. You know, um, if, if the Bible says fear of the Lord, does, does, it, does, it, does it really mean fear? Can it just mean respect? Yeah, no, but it, it means respect, but it means fear. It means fear with the type of fear that draws forth trembling, awestruckness, fear, God. When Isaiah was brought into the presence of God, here was a man of God, a man of righteousness. And and as God opened up his spiritual eyes and brought him to this place, Isaiah, what he saw was in so much awe that he was afraid that he bowed down before the majesty and king of glory because he said he was a man of unclean lips and, and his eyes just couldn't bestow the one who dwells among most unapproachable light it is God and God has to continue to be God he's not an ordinary God of idols and 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 desires and figments of our own imaginations yeah, but you know what? To me, God is all loving. And if God is loving, then, then how is he going to pass judgment upon? Because if he is just, he has to pass judgment. He has to. And, and because he loves us so much and he knows he has to bring forth his wrath upon sin. He gave us the way out. He himself provided the Lamb of God. That would take away our sins. Set us free from the bondages of this world. It's so insignificant when we look at it in the light of eternity. We're here before a breath. A wise man is he who learns to number his days, the Bible says. And, and when we think about it, we're all born to die. And, and why is it that we, we, we put more stock into this life? Into this world? than putting our stock into our spirits and souls, knowing that we're going to eventually pass on. Twisted and warped, we have these half-truths being tweeted out, right? Facebook and Instagram and, and, and CNN and Fox News and, and, and people that want to interject their own opinions and, and they want to come in and they got a specific narrative. How do you know they have a narrative? Well, flip the channel. I mean, are we talking about the same worldly events? Because if you, if you watch CNN, I mean, he's a monster. If, if you watch Fox News, I mean, he's like the second Messiah. What, are you serious? And the fact of the matter is that whenever you see, I'm telling you, whenever you see two extremes, the truth is usually somewhere in the... But you know... People want to sell you their thoughts or their opinions. They have 
invested interests in it. And so therefore, you know, when I'm going to pose an argument, I'm going to get a bunch of these scholars and spectators, these people with, you know, five accolades behind their, you know, a doctorate's degree in social civil engineering and blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, they start having these arguments and, and, and these people on these panels, these professionals. And what are they doing but trying to brainwash you? I believe that it's not until we come to Christ that we're officially woke. We're holding on to the things of this world like this is it. When it's not. It's not. Everything is fleeting and passing away. The second law of thermodynamics, entropy, man. Everything that has a beginning has an end. Even the universe we live in. So what do you believe in regards to your Christian faith? So many, so many people, uh, uh, um, uh, Paul told Timothy uh, um, in, in 1 Timothy that you got to be careful because in the last days people would not endure sound doctrine. They would, they would search for themselves, teachers and preachers that would tickle their ears and tell them the things that they want to hear. And churches be, are built up in, 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 in man systems. Oh, you know what? No, I'm going to follow this denomination because, you know, um, it falls in alignment more with what the things I think or the things that I believe. And, well, you can believe that if you want, and, 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 but, you know, I believe this, and as long as we believe that we're serving God to the best of our abilities, then we're all okay. No, no, we're not. We're not all okay, because God has his word, and he lays out to us the expectations. He lays out to us how we ought to live. We, we can't continue to live as the world lives and, and believe that we are blessed by God. Can't do it. We can't do it. Because it's hypocrisy. God gave us the opportunity and he revealed to us who he is. And as the world is trying to revise history and, and, and warp and change truth, and, and even as they, they try to change the gospel, change the Bible, it is immutable. It is inerrant. It does not change. And yet people want to read into it what they want to read into it because people want to believe what they want to believe. And there's a lot of confusion in that. And my heart breaks for people that are lost and that are confused. And then I get upset with the people that want to add to that confusion and, and give way to it. As Christians, we should all be united as one in Christ, as Christ is in the Father. And that doesn't, that, that's going to cross denominational lines. That's going to cross denominational lines. There, there are people in the Catholic Church. There are people in the Greek Orthodox Church. There are people in the Protestant Church. There are people in the Pentecostal Churches. There are people in the Baptist Churches. There are people that adhere and love God. And because of the way God has revealed himself to them, they feel more comfortable worshiping in a certain atmosphere. And that's good. That's fine. Because Jesus Christ and his gospel transcends culture. So if you want to worship him with merengue, 
If you want to worship him with reggae, if you want to worship him with classic hymns or contemporary songs, as long as the words are honoring him, as long as the affections of our heart is to praise him, he will receive the praises of his people. Hallelujah. Ain't no no denomination going to stop that. There has been an appeal to the church to accept the philosophy of the day. And this isn't new to modern times. And, And the purpose of this series of messages is to unite us as the body of Christ. Regardless of our past traditional religious affiliations, but to come in one and with what we believe. You know, the early church fathers, I'm talking about early church fathers. Life of Jesus, his apostles, their children, their children's children. So the grandchildren of the apostles in the early church got together. And they saw that there was a lot of things that, that, that the Greeks were trying to add to the gospel, that, that, that the Jews were trying to add to the gospel. Yeah, it's Jesus, but plus circumcision. Yeah, it's Jesus plus good works. Yeah, it's Jesus plus. No, it's no Jesus plus. It's Jesus. He is the answer. He is the solution. He himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me those that would worship him in spirit and in truth those early church fathers they sat down about 115 years after the ascension of Jesus and they wrote what has been come to known as the apostles creed and Albert Moeller in his book wrote all Christians believe more than what's contained in the creed but none can believe less we can believe more than what's contained here, but foundationally, none of us can believe less than this to be called children of God. Every major Christian denomination adheres to the words of the creed. From the Orthodox Church, the Roman Catholic Church, to the Reformed and Protestants, and all the ones that I mentioned, every major denomination adheres to the Apostles' Creed. You're going to see some that rise up that don't, and they normally don't fall under the sector of mainline Christianity, and a lot of times they wind up falling into the kind of even cultish stuff, you know? Um, And you have to be careful for those. And the only way you could be careful about those is what? Knowing the Word. Knowing the Word. Through the lens of the Apostles' Creed, we're going to learn what we as Christians believe and why we believe it through the proof of Scripture. Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for this opportunity. I thank you, God, for this building. I thank you, Lord God, for your goodness, your mercy, and the revelation of who you are through your word. I pray right now, Lord God, that you would fill my mouth with the words that this congregation needs to hear. I pray right now for the unction of your Holy Spirit to move amongst us, revealing to us, O God, peeling back the layers, opening and removing the veil. I pray, God, that you would bring us into a heightened awareness of who you are, O God, and what it is that you're calling us into. I pray right now in the name of Jesus 
that this building would be known as a sanctuary and a house of prayer, regardless of what's going on downstairs and here throughout the week. But Lord God, that you would use this as a meeting place. Hallelujah. Santo Dios. Te bendecimos, Señor. Te adoramos, Señor. Digno de ser alabado, tú eres Padre Santo. We praise you and worship you, oh Father God. Have your way here this morning, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And amen. Lynn, last week you, you spoke about the covenant and you said that the, that the Ark of the Covenant was moving. And, and wherever, in, in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle of the wilderness, you know, the God would, would, would tell them to, you know, pick up and move. And wherever the cloud moved, it would follow the cloud. And wherever the cloud stood, they, they, that's where they stood. And they would set camp up there in the Ark of the Covenant. And, and, and they would move. And I just felt like, man, that's God, that, that was God moving us. And I feel like he's moved us here to this location. He's had a set up camp. But you know what that means? That means the Ark of the Covenant is set up here. This is where the cloud brought us. The presence of God. Oh, Father God, that you would rest upon this building. Blessing even the businesses that are in it. Blessing the owner, Father God, for having a heart to open it up to us. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So what is this Apostles' Creed? Let's go ahead and read it. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now look at your neighbor and tell them the title of this message, Father God. Father God. I believe... Those are some powerful words. The things that a man or a woman can do based upon what they believe within their heart. They would scale mountains and, and, and go through valleys. They would conquer. They would go through and plow through walls and obstacles for the belief that they have within them. I think that we've, we've gotten confused so much because there's so many people that believe in so many different things. And, 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 and in the fight for inclusion, we, we think that it's okay to say, well, you believe what you believe and I believe what I believe and, you know, what works for you works for you, what works for me works for me and, and we're all good. Can't we all just get along? And that sounds good and it sounds right. But according to God's word, who reveals himself to us, he tells us there are certain things that, that, that are evil and wicked. But as I told you earlier, people are going to want to believe what they want to believe. I, I think I'm a good person. I don't, I don't want to think that, you know, I'm the object of God's wrath. 
I, I, I want to do the right things, and, 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 and inherently, I believe, I, I, think, I believe we're all good. We just need the right opportunities. Hmm. See, that sounds nice, but the Bible says that we are wickedly, we are desperately wicked above all things. That, that our righteousness are but what? Filthy rags before God. I mean, that's, that, the, the actual translation of that is disgusting. It's filth. It's gr- like, it's gross. And, and yet, my righteousness, my goodness in the eyes of God is but that. We're all born with natural sin. Huh? How many people, how many parents? Huh? When, when your kids turn two? Huh? What was that? Te- terrible twos? Terrible twos? Why do they call it terrible twos? <laughs> you know, you quickly see that rebellious nature inside that kid, right? Yo, don't you go and do that. Don't you, don't you disrespect. <laughs> terrible twos. There's an inherent rebelliousness already there at two years old. Innocent, as cute as can be. But the, the rebellion is already there. And if we can see it at this end, what, because we're grown up now all of a sudden? Because I'm disciplined, I'm, I'm cultured. I drink tea like this. What, because you think you're cultured, you think you're good? Bible says that thou shalt not commit murder. And Jesus took it a step further and said, Surely I say unto you, even if you have hatred, hatred for someone in your heart, you've already committed murder. Why? Because sin doesn't happen when we do the act. Sin happens when we begin to entertain it in our minds. Once it's in our hearts, the desire is there. And and if the Bible says that this is a wrongful desire, it's there at that place that we got to turn around and surrender it to God. God, I'm sorry that I'm thinking this way. God, I'm sorry that I feel this way. God, please help me to be holy as you, oh God, are holy. That's our desire and cry. I believe. What do we believe? It's important. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. Huh? The thoughts in your heart determines who you are. Matthew 15, 19. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. Huh? This is what a man believes. This is what he has within his heart. There's there's a battle between good and evil inside each and every human being. And until we can turn around and recognize it, acknowledge it, accept it, we're lost in the fight. We're lost in the fight. We enter the faith and we find eternal life in Christ by responding to the truth of Christ. By what we believe. I believed in my heart that that his sacrifice was sufficient to cover my sins, to forgive me and wipe my slate clean. He took it upon himself. Make no mistake about it, there is no Christianity without belief. Belief is the essence of faith. 
Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of the things unseen. What, what, what develops your faith? Huh? When you have an impossible situation that's completely outside of your control, you can't manipulate it, you can't control it, you can't suggest it or, or nudge it. It's too big, it's too strong, it's outside of your control. And all you could do is surrender it unto God. God, please have your way. God, please touch that individual's heart. God, please open up this door. We, we, we're, we're in a jam and, and we need your help. And shortly after you pray that prayer, you see, you see situations change. All of a sudden, somebody comes out of left field and offers a, you a solution. A, a door opens when another one closes. That a healing comes upon an individual's body. God moves, and when he moves and answers that prayer, what does that do for your faith? It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Every time I see God move in the unseen, as I pray and as I release the unction of his spirit, it, it develops and increases my faith. You walk this walk for a while, he, he brings you through some things. But the devil comes at you and all of a sudden, that's what you got? I'm not even going to shake. Why? Because he's got me through this and, and so much more. If God pulled me out of that one, and he pulled me out of that one, and he opened up the door this way, and he answered my prayer that way, and although this wasn't what I wanted, I see how he worked it for my benefit. Hallelujah. If I could trust him at that level, he takes us from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Hallelujah. Praise him. Ha. Romans 10, 8, and 11 says, and if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, right? Your mouth. What is your mouth confessing? It's confessing the things that's in your... If you could confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus and believe in your... That God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Hallelujah. To come and to believe unto him, but how can you believe into someone that you do not know? You know, you're never going to trust somebody that you don't really know. I mean, really trust them? You might trust them, you know, hold something down for me. You might trust them to, you know, wake you up in the morning at 6 o'clock and what have you. But truly, trust someone. Open up your home. Open up your, your heart. You're never going to trust someone until you completely know them. Know them. It's by knowing that then you trust. 1 Peter 6, 9 says, Therefore, it is also contained in the Scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. you got to put your belief in him. you got to put your trust in him. So that when you do that, you give him an opportunity to manifest his presence in your life. Therefore, to you who believe, he is what? Precious. But to those who are disobedient, come on. We always want to talk about God's blessings. But what about, what about to those who are disobedient? The Bible says this, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. 
and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. See, people, they stumble being disobedient to the world to which they also were appointed. But you, you who believe are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. For anybody that's going to declare that they are a Christian, we must be able to see within them a transformation from darkness to light. The purpose of salvation is to transform us, to equip us, empower us, to be able to live a life that would be holy and acceptable unto God. We're commanded to come out from amongst them. We can't continue like, to live the way the rest of the world lives and expect to be blessed by God. Before I get into the Bible as our sufficient source, I, I use this illustration a lot because, you know, you got kids, I got kids, and when we got kids, we know what it is to have kids. And when we have kids, we know what it is to try to raise them. And when they're home, we love them unconditionally. What, what luxury, what privilege will we not open and offer to our children, right? If they're doing what they need to do and their chores are done and schoolwork are good and, 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 and they're mindful within the house and they're doing their curfews, hey, mom, hey, dad, I want to go to so-and-so's birthday party. It's going to be down at Trampoline World and que se yo ni que, whatever, right? Yeah, of course. Hey, mom, dad, can I have that in the fridge? Yeah, absolutely. What luxury, what privilege? You know, you're entitled to everything that's within this household. You have access to it. It's yours. Why? Because this is, this, this, you are an extension of me. But the moment our kids begin to act a fool, the moment our kids begin to rebel, school grades go down, right? Uh, beds aren't made. There's a little rebelliousness and attitude in the house when they talk to mom. <laughs> you want to go where? Absolutely not. Xbox, give it up. Give me your phone too while you're at it. Privileges and luxuries begin to what? Be removed and revoked. Why? Because of disobedience. If you walk in obedience, you're, you're privileged with, with everything that I can offer you. Lavish upon you in unconditional love. But you begin to rebel and go against the grain. No, I'm revoking this. I'm, I'm taking that away. I'm, I'm not going to give you permission to do that. You think it's owed to you? No. No. And if, and if we are wise enough to do that with our children, why do we catch an attitude when God treats us like that? Come on. Oh God, but I need you in this area and I want you. Yeah, but I told you to dump that fool. He's no good for you. Yeah, but I'm in love and I'm the thing. That's not love. If you let him go, I can show you what true love is. We serve a God. We serve a God that has revealed himself. It should be the Christian's automatic reflex to always turn to the scriptures for teaching, direction, and correction. The Bible is our source. It's been shown and proven to be without error, totally trustworthy and true. When we read the New Testament, we find a faith that was handed down to the apostles by Christ himself. They were then taught and passed down to 
us 2,000 years later. Here we are still holding on to the same scriptures, to the same beliefs, seeing and witnessing the same faith, the same God engaging us where we're at. And this is what we hold true. This is what we believe. From the earliest beginnings, the church faced the dual challenge of affirming the truth and confronting error. But now, all of a sudden, we don't want to confront error because we're afraid we're going to offend somebody. And most of that is because we speak truth with self-righteousness and indignation. ¿Qué tú estás haciendo? Lost in, in the world. Where was you before you knew the Lord? I know where I was. Sometimes people, oh my God, how can you hug them? They had bugs in. You're worried about bugs? There's a soul, there's a life that's getting ready to go to hell if we don't love on them the way Jesus loved us. You're going to be worried about somebody the way they smell or because they got a bug on them. Or, oh my God, there's blood, there's blood. You can't, you can't go near them. Screw that. My God will protect me. If we don't have the heart that will reach the lost, then, then I got a question. Where's our relationship with God? Amen. Christians must stand firm and stand together on the essential truths of our scriptures. In the credo, we see the very essence and foundation of what the people of God believe and what they have always believed. We do not put our trust and our hope in an ordinary God or worldly God or, or a God that we can't know or, or is obscure and foreign to us. You know, pop spirituality floods us now with self-help conferences and best-selling books and television and talk shows and podcasts. But, but, but fools speaking about supernatural and sacred mystical things and they, they try to speak about what is holy and divine and unconditional and, and they speak of God in vague, nondescript, ambiguous terms of he cannot be known. But I'm here to tell you that God can be known. He is personal. He speaks to us. He guides us and loves us and provides for us. And he's able to do the impossible. He is a way maker. Woo! He's a way maker. These modern day evasive generalized terms for God amount to little more than flimsy idolatries. And it has diluted itself into the modern day church. Did you know that according to the scriptures, everyone knows that God exists? Everyone knows that God exists. Even those that would claim to reject that knowledge. Romans 119-23 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Hallelujah. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God 
nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise. They became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. Instead of turning to God who has revealed himself in creation, men make idols for themselves and deny God's very existence. We build altars out of careers and educations, out of our homes and the toys that we have. Man will go even to proclaim atheism by saying that God doesn't exist just so he could rule his own world without convictions. A conviction the Bible condemns as complete foolishness. Psalms 14, 1 and 3, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. They have all turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. John Calvin describes the human heart in its fallen state as perpetual factory of idols. Idols, idols, idols. One after the other, we develop them in our minds. We don't, we don't need a statue. We, we don't need a, a sculpture. We don't need a, a, a little altar with, with the candles and incense. To, to Oh, that's idolatry. The moment, the moment you begin to think, well, to me, God is, or in my mind, I see God as, right? That's idolatry. It's, a, it's an idol. You created an image of who you think God is in your mind that's going to be palatable, that's going to be acceptable, that's going to go with the things that you want to do. But to know God and who he is is to know him as he has revealed himself. That's a scary thought. J, uh, uh, John uh, Packer, um, in his book, Knowing God, when we begin to see some of the attributes of God, his jealousy, his wrath, his justness, when we begin to see that he is a holy God, holy, holy, he's separate. It's not, it's not the, that there's the, the, the absence of evil. It's, it's, he's contained by all that is good. We, 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 we oftentimes in our times of worship, we, we pray and God, show us your glory. We would sing that and, and have convictions and want to really see his glory. But if any one of us would actually understand what his glory looks like, we'd be trembling in fear knowing, oh God, that we would be utterly consumed in his presence. If we knew him, we would respect and honor him. Hallelujah. That's why the Christian faith is marked by the confession of God. The Father Almighty. Father Almighty. As the Apostles' Creed begins, Credo en Diem Patrem Omnipotem. I believe in God, the Father Almighty. The Christian faith is not established on some abstract deity or on some ordinary God. 
the content of the Christian faith begins with the affirmation of the God who is. The God who spoke. And the God who has revealed himself. Do you know the Father? When we look upon Jesus, the Bible says in Colossians, to look upon him is to look upon the image of the invisible God. That, that in Christ, God, that's God. We, we can't see him in his glory. So, so he chose to, to, to take off the, the, the garments of divinity and put on the garments of humanity and walk amongst us as one of us so that we can see him, so we can touch him, so he can walk in our shoes. And so when we look upon Jesus, it's to look upon God. As we will see and identify this triune nature of who God is, the, the Holy Trinity. God is God. God the Father. And God the Father has revealed himself throughout the scriptures as, as our Father. And, and God has also revealed himself as, as the Son, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. What man couldn't do for himself, God chose to do for us. And because of what he did, then we, we see God, the Holy Spirit, who comes upon us and fills us and baptizes us in fire, breaks shackles and breaks chains, sets us free. Hallelujah. There's a joy, a joy that runs inside of our hearts like a river. Woo! This is his purpose. This is his plan. God is the Father. God is the Son. And God is the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit is God, and the Father is God, and the Son is God. But the Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Father. This is the triune nature of who our Father is. And He is not just our Father. He does not only call us our children and adopt us into His kingdom. He is our Father Almighty. Come on. I love that, that, that El Shaddai, El Elohim Adonai, El Shaddai, he is almighty, all powerful. We can't even grasp and put our minds around the thought of what God can do and what he's capable of. If, if we looked upon the universe and all of creation and the design thereof, and we think of the greatness and what sustains us and in all of these universes and all of these galaxies and as far as we can send satellites, People want to try to discount it. Like life is nothing. We're here for a hot minute. Once you die, you're dead. Nonsense. The first person of the Trinity has revealed himself as a father. As a father. He's not a force or a principle or higher power. He has chosen to reveal himself as father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this revelation of God as father goes all the way back into the Old Testament. Deuteronomy. 32, 6, and 7, they have corrupted themselves. They are not his children because of their blemish, a perverse and crooked generation. Do you thus deal with the Lord, O foolish and wise people? Is 
he not your father who bought you? Has he not made you and established you? Remember the days of old and consider the years of many generations. Psalm 68.5, a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows. I, I believe that oftentimes we have a difficult time trying to grasp this concept of God as our father because our earthly fathers that couldn't give us what they didn't have. Absentee, alcoholics, divorce, men that, that didn't uphold didn't understand their purpose and plan as God had created them because of confusion. How could we trust God of a father when my father was such a jerk? He says he's the father of the fatherless. Don't look at him through the lens of earthly and carnal fathers. Look at him through the fatherhood of the scriptures who's long-suffering, who's an authoritative voice, but who also loves us unconditionally, who would hold us with tough love, would correct us and, and show us what's right and show us what's wrong and be willing to come alongside of us to help us make the right decisions. Love us when we fall short, but encourage us to keep moving forward. To father children. Such a, it's a difficult task. It's challenging. The, the complete revelation of God as Father only comes with the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. The word Father doesn't make us think of some distant, unknowable deity, but a God with whom we have personal relationships with. Matthew 6, Jesus himself said, and when you pray, Pray, pray like this. Pray in this manner. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's a holy name. One to be revered. One to be fearful of. But the fear shouldn't be like, oh my God, I got to run from him. The, the fear should be like, oh my God, I got myself in this mess and, and I need to run to him. Because he's the daddy. He's the father that wants to forgive us, that wants to help us. But until, until we recognize that we need help, he's not going to struggle with us. He ain't going to fight with you. Oh, he'll contend. He'll, he'll bring people. He'll drop a word. He'll, he'll, he'll bring a conviction. But the choice is yours. He's not just revealed as our father, but he's also the almighty father. A title that represents God in all of his attributes. I know we're running short on time. I'm not going to go in them. In conclusion, his attributes. Almighty Father. Almighty. Omnipotent. Omniscient. Omnipresent. Self-existing. And immutable. These are his attributes. This is who your God. This is who your Father is. He is omnipotent. There is nothing. Oh, well, can God, can God create a rock so big that he can't pick up? It's a foolishness. You, you, you try to tease or tempt God with such idiocracies. 
He is omnipotent. He is all powerful. He spoke this universe into existence. When there was nothing, God said, let there be. And there was. His spoken word was the force and power that created all things, the design, our bodies, the ecosystem, this world and the universe and how we're on a perfect 23 degree axis. His design is clearly seen. And if we don't declare him, we're but without excuse. He's omniscient. He knows all things. Let me tell you something. There's not a place that you can go that you can hide from God. There ain't a valley so low, a mountain so high, or an ocean so deep that you can get away from him. He knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. He knows his sovereignty. He knows what's going to happen before it happens because he already had declared it. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's in all places at all times, whether we want to recognize it or not. People said, oh, you know, well, I I walked away from God. (laughs) He didn't walk away from you. Because guess what? He's right here right now. Yeah, no, but I'm not ready. I'm I'm just going to go. Listen, you can keep running. But there's no place that you can go that he ain't already there. He's self-existing. He was not created. I mean, that's a concept. If we could even get our minds off of that. Self-existing. He had no beginning. He has no end. He He was always there. What, what, what power? He is immutable. He cannot change. He doesn't evolve. We evolve. He does not evolve. He does not change. The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Hallelujah. As we close this morning like for us to bow our heads and close our eyes I'd like to ask if there's anyone who does not yet know God you don't know him as Lord perhaps you're carrying some heaviness and God is stirring some stuff and you know there's some things that you just need to drop you got to cut weight you got to cut some weight it's weighing you down you want to get to know him as your father in his fullness If that's you this morning, let me just see your hand. Just give me a quick raise up in the hand. The Peak Community Church is a young, vibrant, life-giving church in the heart of Peekskill. Come and visit us on Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. at the historic Elks Club, 1038 Brown Street. Thank you for listening.